welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to the comic. Comic. What is going on, nerds? This is the Comic Zone Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Bill. What's on going on? And we got Osh from the Ghost with us today. Back in the place to be. Yes, sir. What's up, my brother? What's going on, brother? What's going on, Bill? Wherever you're at Not out in there in the universe, we're missing you here. I'm in Colorado. Okay. Just outside of Boulder. So how's that been going? It's pretty good. It's interesting, but what's going on it's down good. there? Oh, uh, just uh, hanging out with the family. Nice. Figuring out life, refiguring out life, rediscovering, doing what the fuck I want. Uh, that's the best thing. Sometimes the best therapy reset. Yeah. Yeah. How how long you been gone now? It's been. Fucking like three weeks, huh? Yeah, getting close to about a month. Damn. Well, yeah, since right after New Year's. So yeah, yep. it has been about a month. Hmm. Anyway, so like I said, we got O'Shea with us. Uh, I thought. Well, we were talking, what, that was in, like, November or whatever we were whenever, talking about uh, doing this. Uh, the movie came out. Um, Which movie? Was it Summer of the Flower Moon? Is that, no, Summer of the Empire Moon is what I'm thinking of. The the one that just came out with Leo. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't know what that is. Oh, man, the one they just won all the awards for. Why am I drawing a blank? I watched it, like, ten times. I went and watched it in the theater. It's about the... Uh, Osage people in Oklahoma, um, that that it's were on based, Apple Plus, I think too. What's that? Just, I, I think it's on Apple Plus. I know. I'm right? trying to think of it. I'm Apple looking TV. up looking up the name right now. It's killing me. I don't know why I can't. Killers of the Flower Moon. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So I was confusing it with a book about the Comanche called Empire of the Summer Moon, and that's why I couldn't think of the name. Anyway, so the movie Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, directed by Martin Scorsese, is based around the events of the uh, Osage Terror, is what it was called. And it was, uh, it was like a three-year period specifically, but the, the incidents that it's talking about happened for over, like, I think 15 or 20 years or something. It was pretty terrible, but it was about um, the Osage people got head rights in Oklahoma for the oil that they found on the reservation and at the time that the oil was found, um, there were 298 enrolled tribal members of the Osage tribe. So when they found that oil, the way that the government made it was that so that only those original 298 members were allowed head rights to that oil. So their descendants would split it evenly amongst them as the money passed down um, from person to person, whatever money was left. And so uh, through this, the government of Oklahoma um, was upset because the Osage people at that point in time were the richest people on the planet um, of any of any ethnicity. So uh, the government of Oklahoma took it upon themselves to make a law uh, 
saying that first of all natives were uh weren't full human beings similar to how they did with slaves with the three-fifths of a person thing they did the same thing with humans so basically or with the natives so basically since they made us into dogs um we had three fifths of a person three fifths of a person is that an actual yes uh what is it um so it's from the foundation of the nation uh, when slavery was uh, prominent, when basically the only uh, people in the United States that were considered, you know, that that the white people who were governing body interacted with were black and white, and obviously all the blacks were slave, and those blacks that weren't slave slaves, the whites didn't want them on an equal uh, playing field with them. So there's the I don't it's not a law, but it's it's a clause, basically saying that uh, Negroes is what they called them back then were three fifths of a person. So they couldn't, they had no human rights. Basically they weren't humans cause they were only three fifths of a man. What the fuck? Yes. This is a real thing. And so, that applied to natives too. So later on when, when these natives got this money, um, the Oklahoma, uh, state made it a law to where these natives weren't full people either. So because they weren't, uh, humans, but they had all the, the possession of all this money, they had to have guardians. And oftentimes these people were uh, just random uh, prominent people in the communities back then. And, and back then, if you know anything about American history, if you had a little bit of change in your pocket in a small community, you was the man. If you had a lot of change in your pocket in a big community, you was even more the man. So those are the people who oftentimes got elected and made laws. So uh, in Oklahoma, the judges, lawyers, doctors, people with money, and business owners, uh, they would take, quote-unquote, guardianship of these natives, and they were in charge of dispensing their money. So, uh, it say, for instance, I'm a native, you're my guardian, Cluffy, I got to go in there every single month. And I don't want that responsibility. I, I got to go in there. I don't there. want it. I, don't want it. <laughs> I got to go in there every month and tell the... Uh, the guy who's in charge of the treasurer, who's in charge of all this money, who's usually a banker, um, what I, the money I need for my, you know, allowances for the month. And if they do or don't see it fit, they will or won't allow you that money. And so you would have to, I would go in, uh, O'Shea, Beta, numbered, blah, 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 incompetent, which means I'm a full-blooded native which means I'm not allowed to make these decisions by myself. So I'd have to call myself incompetent. I would have to have my guardian with me and then be up to the treasurer to make the final judgment on the allowances of my money that I needed that month. That's crazy. So anyway, <laughs> through all this, uh, these people, they call this guy King Hale. Have you ever heard or have you watched Boardwalk Empire? No. Okay, so in Boardwalk Empire, uh, there's this guy named Nucky Johnson. He's the county treasurer. Basically, he runs all of Atlantic City. He built it to what it was, and it was during Prohibition, and blah, 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 blah. So basically, this dude, King Hale, in this version of this story, was the Nucky Thompson of Oklahoma. He was basically that guy in in uh, Osage County, in, uh, man, I forget what the names are called of these towns, but he was the guy who was basically the bigwig who pulled all the strings, made everything happen, and he uh, would kind of steer these white people in the community into guardianships over these natives. And then all these natives were turning up dead. All of them. And over weird, mysterious diseases, you know, back then, like you'd go to the county fair and you'd have the snake oil salesman like, oh, it's get rid of your ghouls from your blood. We got mercury and blah, 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 all these things. So basically uh, they were poisoning these natives, but med medical science wasn't 
you know, with the times at the time. So they wasn't able to figure it out. And once they did, after X amount of years, they found these, uh, this guy, King Hale and his nephew and a few other guys guilty of murdering a bunch of these natives. Uh, I think that King Hale dude did like four years. The other dude did like eight or nine or something like that. And, uh, they got out after killing tons of natives. But anyways, point of what I'm saying is after that movie came out, I think is when we started having this discussion to have this podcast. Well, what made me want to, um, like, so I was listening to Joe Rogan. I listened to, to him every week and he had this dude on in November. His name was Elliot West. And he, uh, he wrote a book called, uh, Continental Reckoning, the American West in the age, uh, in the age of expansion. And he talks a lot about, um, well, exactly that, the expansion through North America. And then he's talking a, a lot about uh, native history in that. And so, like, it it was really interesting. Have you listened to it? No, I haven't. You should. It's it's pretty good. And then he's talking, he was talking a lot about, like, the Comanche. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That's what I kind of hit you up for to see if you had any knowledge about yes. the Comanche, and yeah, then we. I do. But then, uh, you were like, "No, we should talk more just about general, like native history," because um, I forget what you said something because um, that's just like a a small footnote in the in the overall story. Um, what I was interested in though is just like how unique the comanche like the way that they lived and like their currency was horses and 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 stuff like that and how different they were to uh other native tribes um yes and no so that's the main reason why i wanted to do this other than i love history i'm native and i love native history and native culture um but i also mainly wanted to come on here to dispel a bunch of um uh euro-american urban myths about natives okay that's that's what i wanted to do you know what i mean and not in a in a in a a negative way towards you know white people or you know americans um who aren't native american but uh There's a lot of stuff that I always hear and I'm like, where the hell did you hear that from? And I know a lot of it's been perpetuated over generations or you heard something from your uncle who heard something from his friend who knew somebody on a reservation one time, you know, and a lot of people don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge with or from natives. You know what I mean? It's a lot of uh, secondhand, thirdhand. And, you know, no, uh, not to discredit any, um, you know, Euro descendant American uh, in their research and in their books, cause I've read a lot of their books too, but, um, I, uh, I, uh, well, I just, I just don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from them, but at the same time, they're coming at it from a different perspective. And a lot of time they'll have, a uh, their own, um, ulterior motive to the, the story that they're trying to tell, like Joe Rogan, Every time he wants to talk about the natives, it's almost the same rhetoric. Like he he's fascinated by, oh, they the world that they lived in was magical, and the tr- the trees were magic, and and this and you know that's he's perpetuating another one of those uh, Euro American uh, urban myths. I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, I don't know if he's 
saying like it's magical or anything like that. I think he's fascinated by it. Um, My, what like I'm saying is like, he uses it as almost like a blanket term because his knowledge of native culture is limited to the books that he's read. Right. And then the, and also the people he's talked to, but like, so like you're saying, um, that Elliot West guy, he's, he's a white guy. So, and I thought that was kind of interesting that he's like telling native history and I've kind of felt, I didn't feel like it was wrong necessarily, but it's like, like, I feel like that something like that should come from, uh, somebody that's like learned that history through, um, first hand knowledge through, through their culture. And so, so I, and I just did actually on my vlog, I just did a, uh, a, a one on a guy that I was in prison with. He was a serial killer, but I said it in my podcast that he was the only white guy that the natives allowed to sweat with us because that was, that was our thing. You know what I mean? We didn't, everybody could do every, everything was for the most part inclusive, but I mean, racially each racial group had their own, like the Mexicans for the most part had Catholic church. The white boys for the most part had Wiccans, Wiccan and the Satru church and uh, natives. We had our sweat lodges and those were twofold. It was a, where we went to go practice our culture and heritage and be a place that we were allowed to actually be who we are because, um, Okay, so let's just say, for example, you could have a rosary in prison, okay? It's a, a, a mm -hmm. religious necklace. You're allowed to have religious necklaces. So f as a native, they, ju they just made it so you can have uh, feathers in the Wyoming prisons anyway. I don't know how it is in any other state prison. But in the Wyoming prisons, when I was there, they made it so you could have feathers. That was a big deal because you could never do it before. So we like to, like to try to keep those things exclusive. But I say all that to say this. There are white guys out there who respect native culture, native heritage, and learn things firsthand, you know, they didn't smudge because their hippie girlfriend told them that's what you do to get rid of bad spirits, you know what I mean? They didn't go sweat because they seen a YouTube video, you know what I mean? They're actually doing things the right way. They're not going to peyote meetings because they want to get high. They're actually practicing the culture, you know what I mean? There's a right way and a wrong way. If you go to, you know, as a way to relate to, uh, to, normal Americans, I guess, if you're Christian, would be, you don't go to communion to get drunk. You know what I mean? That's, right. that's it's blasphemous. A, it's uh, the peyote, and it's a lot like that with the ayahuasca ceremonies, too. It's not a recreational thing. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, to get it's high. A, it's, it's a, a spiritual, spiritual experience. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I was just listening to a podcast today. You know who Graham Head Hancock is? I hate Graham Hancock. Do you? I do. <laughs> well, they were talking about some of the ayahuasca stuff and um he was saying you know he's like it's not it's not something that you want to just do for fun it's like if and you don't want to just like do it in your living room there should be some kind of ceremony involved there should and, be a purpose and, you shouldn't just be blindly right. just doing it to get high right because well i mean and doing dmt i think they're all the similar because of the, i think and for me um I'm not going to get into a spiritual, my beliefs or anything like that at all, because it's just, it'll go a whole other way. But just for me personally, I don't believe you should do any sort of, uh, psychedelic or hallucinogenic just recreationally. I feel like, uh, those things help you in your mind to 
understand things on a deeper level and that you should be in a position to take advantage of that. It's well, and it's interesting you say that because like every time, you know, I've, I've ate mushrooms quite a few times and it's like, usually the times that I do it just to like party or whatever, or that I have, I haven't in a really long time, but, um, it usually ends up becoming sort of a, like a bad trip because you don't have any direction in it, I feel like. And it's, but when, when I, anytime I went in it with intention or just to see, like work through something like that I've been hung up on or whatever, it, it tends to be, uh, more introspective and, um, and I, and I learned something out of the experience when I go in with intention as opposed to just like, let's eat these mushrooms and fucking just to fuck around. You know what I mean? I do. And I'm not going to sit here and preach either. Like I haven't done it just to do it because I have very often. Yeah, but However, as, but as like what older, you're saying, as, if you don't go into it with intention, you're not going to have, I don't feel like you're going to reap the full benefits of what that can do for you. You know what I mean? It's like instead, it's like getting high off painkillers instead of using them to get rid of your pain. You know what I mean? There's right. a, a purpose for it, but if you're abusing it, then you're getting a different result. Right. And, you know, every time I did go in with intention, I, f I found something out about myself, right? I saw something in, and a lot of times it'll, it won't be something you were looking for. It'll just like, something will dawn on you or you know what i mean and, and then if you have a big you, you ego get, those it, are hard to deal with it gains yeah that's yeah because if you can't like self-evaluate yeah in that moment you're gonna have like you're gonna freak out like yeah. and be like oh i want this to be over there's there's um, i just said there's two things that a psychedelic trip are going to do for you they're going to make you realize how dirty the corners in your houses are and how dirty the corners in your soul are yes and, and yeah, and a lot of times you might, you're probably going to find something about yourself that you don't like. For sure. And you're going to, and but it's, and it doesn't just stop after the trip's over. It's like applying those things. Exactly. After the fact. It gives you, that's it gives the you real, a perspective to try to change those things that you don't like about yourself. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard part is like taking those things and learning from some from it. But also, like, applying that to your life or some kind of change that you want to... Uh, that's the hard part. It's after it the, the trip is over. Right. And it... I don't know if you've ever done peyote or any, anything no, I like ha that. No, I haven't. During... So, I kind of wonder if that's... That's got to be, like, the same kind of thing because... Um, the reason why I don't is because uh, to natives, it's a super big deal. It's like uh, saying you just want to go to Mormon church one day. You can't. You know, that's not the right way to do it. It's, okay. So how do you build, how do you work into it? So a uh, peyote ceremony has different elements to it. And I'm not going to speak too heavy on it for two reasons, because I don't know everything about it. And because it's a, a spiritual, religious and cultural ceremony. You know what I mean? Like I said, it's not, it's like Mormonism. You're not just going to randomly go to church one day at the temple you know what i mean there's there's levels to it there's so knowledge you gotta be that invited into it. it yeah i mean and then there's songs that go with it there's certain ways that you pray there's certain ways that you do things you don't just go in there and everybody drinks something and then you sit around and bang on a drum and that's not the way it works you know what i mean so um 
like I said, it's it's the the similar way to to be able to relate to relay it to normal people would be it's similar to Mormon temple. If anybody knows anything about the Mormons, you're not just gonna go. Yeah, walk you can't up in just the walk in there. It's, yeah. it's just like that. So, is it like an like so you hit a certain age, or do do they realize uh, that you there's something in your life that you need to figure out? Is it like a and then and then it's offered to you or like so then disclaimer before i keep going um i will only speak on things that i do know about that i have firsthand knowledge about or that i can speak about in confidence and even then i'm not speaking for every native tribe or even every member of the tribes that i'm from okay so uh what was the question again is it so it's like you're invited into it. Okay, and okay, then, the, and the then, levels to it. And then okay, so, so is it once you reach a certain age or it could happen at any time? Well, so it goes different by different tribes and even by different tribes, you got different bands that are broken down. So say you have the uh, Shoshone that I'm, I'm Eastern Shoshone. Now there's different types of Shoshone, but within the Eastern Shoshone, you have different bands. And those are more like uh, white people would call them clans, mm-hmm. essentially. So anyway... Um, in your in your tribe in your band, uh, you have different different ways of doing things. Like not every the crow weren't the same as the Shoshone, as the Pawnee, as the Comanche, as the right. Cherokee. You know what I mean? So um, there were different things. Like Sundance is a big one. So there isn't no age, but it's you're not eating or drinking, you're dancing and you're blowing through a whistle, and on top of that, you're praying outside in the sun sleeping in the dirt for three days no and eating you, no and, drinking and you physical exhaustion a, you could reach a psychedelic state just through very doing those yes things. absolutely you can so my i say that to say this i've i've danced with kids 13 years old 14 years old and that's that's on them and that's not an uncommon thing but it's also it it's not a 50 50 or even like a major portion there's only one or two per sundance if that of kids like that but it does happen you know what i mean it's just when you're ready so now you take it back to the the ancient times ancient times 150 plus years ago in the western half of the united states anyways and um the way that they did things was basically they feel you're responsible enough for that type of thing then you're ready you know what i mean if you're a tiny little weakling even though you're 14 15 16 you know, it's probably you're not going to be advised to be going on war parties and sun dancing and, you know, things like that. OK. Um, and that's just like you said, like a tiny, like a little weakling. I mean, you got to be able to withstand. And, and what, um, anybody with doing? common sense. And that's another thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm sure there were natives with egos, but uh, they lived very modest and humbly and within, uh, you know, lived within their means. You know, they they might have had a general idea on what might be good for the people, but they're never going to, you know, construct an outline and say, this is what we're doing. Not any of the Plains natives anyway, none of the nomadic tribes. When you get into South America and Central America and the places that they had to sit and think about stuff, they got more regimented like that. This is the do's and the don'ts. And, you know, uh, they had their pantheon of gods and laws and things like that. And the Western tribes more or less were uh, grateful for everything around them, like uh, rocks in Shoshone, they're called sugapas, and so we call them Grandfather Rocks 
because they've been there forever and they always are here to provide help for us shelter we use them in the sweat lodge you heat the rocks up and that's what you put in there and pour water on um you know it they're just ain't the trees uh the sun is is the grandfather and the earth is the mother and and things like that it's just more or less being one with everything that's around you and not in like a hippie woke sense but more or less you're not any great i always tell everybody this we're just a more evolved blade of grass you know what i mean the only difference is we can vocalize it to each other and out to the world you know what i mean the blade of grass might be also but we're not receptive enough but we have a life cycle just like a blade of grass or a leaf but like in other words like everything is one and we're just a part of the bigger picture yeah we're we're not any more important than anything else going on we're, we couldn't survive without these things without these rocks and these trees and these animals and the water and the air you know what i mean it feels like none of these things depend on us for life we depend on all those things for life and, and more or less that's the way they humbled themselves and looked at things right and it it does seem like you know when modern civilization or like the industrial age like that we're in or the technological age whatever the more we lean into like technology and i'm not saying technology is a bad thing because there's a lot of good things that come from it but it seems like the more and more we get into that the farther away we get from our roots and just living that kind of humble well that's a fact i mean you look at all ancient european cultures bro before the before christianity in europe everybody had the same as the natives bro there were nomadic tribes they had clans they lived with nature um the uh uh, pentagram is an earth worship symbol it's not a satanic symbol however when the christians the catholic church started taking stuff over what they did was Everybody that they conquered, they took their religious symbols, no matter what it was, and made it into a quote-unquote satanic symbol. Right. So then you wipe out that generation, you raise up the, the babies and the kids to believe that the reason their ancestor, their people were wiped out was because they worshipped the devil. So then they're afraid to go back to their heritage, and then after two or three generations, you're already removed completely, and you're a fully indoctrinated Christian. You ever seen that show, 1923? No. Um, well, it's attached to Yellowstone. And That's why I haven't watched it. I didn't, I didn't like Yellowstone. Um, well, these ones are quite a bit different than Yellowstone there. But in uh, 1923, they one of the s- subplots, or yeah, I'd say it was a subplot, but they were showing this uh, native girl, and they showed these... Um, they called them like Indian schools or... Oh, yeah, boarding schools for yeah, sure. Yeah. My great-grandma and, went to a boarding school. And, like, that's what they were doing. Like, it was uh, run by, like, priests and nuns and shit. Oh, and, yeah. And then they're... So they're, like, uh, trying to wipe out just the native culture altogether. Ooh, they're that like, brought you a whole list of... It was... That part was so fucking sad because... Um, like this girl was really, um, I guess defiant if, if that's the word. Um, but anytime she would like, it, like, so if they spoke their native language, I mean, they would beat them for that. What'd you say that show's called? 
1923. Oh, okay. So boarding schools were instituted in the United States in 1892. Yep. So, and there's a famous quote attached to the boarding schools, and it's "Kill the Indian, save the man," and which not was only, and basically not, to get rid of the culture and make them uh, Eurocentric, Amer- yeah. Americanized, quote unquote. Right, and not only in like a religious sense, but they would make make them like take, like they had to cut their hair. They couldn't speak their language. They they they'd make them take a, a new name. Yeah. Like, so they'd be like, oh, you're Jeff now. Well, so say uh, nowadays you have native people. Some natives were lucky enough to keep what their actual, it usually is whatever your grandpa's name was at the time what we were sent to reservation. So I'm descended from Chief Washkey, so all my family is Washkeys. When that wasn't Chief Washkey's last name, that was his name. His name was Washkey. So nowadays a lot of uh, natives who were lucky so enough be like a, to yeah. keep their family name usually got the grandpa's name. Or when they went to the boarding schools, they Americanized it. So say your your name was uh, uh, White Horse, okay? So you go to a boarding school, boom, now you're just white. You're, <laughs> or say you were Brown Bear, now you're just brown. That's crazy. Yeah, they did that a lot. So and um, so yeah, there's I got I mean and in there and and in their eyes they're like saving. Yeah, that's what they kill. Uh, kill the Indian, save the man. That's, that's the quote. So fucking like, because they viewed them as savages. Like, and, like what I just said, and, bro. They were they didn't view them as a whole human. They were three fifths of a human. That's crazy. That's so crazy. Have you ever watched uh, uh, with uh, they, it was a remake, True Grit? Yeah. Okay. So one thing. And it, I don't. I'm not gonna say I like it, but one thing I appreciated about the movie is how accurate it was to the time. Remember when he Jeff Bridges walks up on the porch and there's those two Indian kids sitting there, and he fucking kicks that Indian kid off. Mm-hmm. Bro, true to real history, bro. That's exactly how white people treated natives back then, bro. Like they were dogs. Yeah. Or less than. Well, and that's why I I, I really enjoyed that 1923, and then they, and then also. Uh, 1883 because they, they it's so true to the times like so that 1883 they are on the Oregon Trail and trying to get to Oregon they end up only making it to Montana like just outside of Wyoming into Montana like they was like on the Bozeman Trail or something that's not the Oregon Trail well they got they had to the fuck. Bozeman Trail actually forked from You're here right, in Bozeman. Casper. It was the Bozeman. There you go. Yeah, the Bozeman forked from but, here in well, Casper in the, in and sh- went north, or you went kept going west to on the Oregon Trail, and then it split off to the Santa Fe and the Mormon Trail off that. Well, they had to reroute a bunch of times, so maybe they did end up uh, switching. I forget where they left from. You got to remember those trails aren't like the the roads now. They were a right. meandering path, just like a a herd of cattle roaming the plains. Right. That's so, why they they tried to all leave at a certain time of year, so it was kind of caravanning. Right. Yeah. But in that show, they had a bunch of like uh, Swedes. I think they were Swedish. But yeah, um, a lot of Norwegian people settled the Dakotas, Mon- and, uh, Minnesota, and, they, and, and stuff and, like that. And they were like, oh. You know, come to, come to America. I mean, and get your free land. Yeah. But they would send people out, and not tell them 
about like uh, the native people that were out there, and then they would just get, you know, they'd set up their ranch or whatever. Those are the good old homestead acts right there. So there were different homestead acts during the 1800s, and they were all um, as westward expansion moves. So uh, the government would put out proclamations, uh, go stake your claim on X amount of acres and show that you can work the land for X amount of time, and that's your land. But they wouldn't tell some of these people from other countries uh, that they were hostile natives. Yeah. Well, check it out, too. They weren't hostile natives. What had happened was... they were defending their... Well, there were multiple treaties also. Check this out. This is a a very fun statistic. The U.S. government, I can't remember the exact hundred amounts, but it's hundreds, multiple hundreds of treaties. The U.S. government never upheld one. Not one. Yeah, it was... That's what they were talking about on that Rogan podcast is, you know, how they would set up all these treaties and shit and then never uphold their side of the the bar like the u.s government would never um never once bro not one treaty out of the multiple hundreds not one bro which is fucking never once you know but they they you know why even why even why even set them up that's what check it out it's because and not to make like a more positive light but white people figured out politics right and everybody now if you're you know knowledgeable knows that politicians lie that's what they fucking do. Oh, yeah. So these guys, these politicians were politicking on these natives, and native culture was, for better or worse, we tell the truth. So they were confused. They kept being confused, like, why would they say this and not do it? Well, they won't yeah, do they it again. Yeah, they didn't even understand. They, they, yeah, bro, they, they couldn't grasp under- the concept that these dudes lying. were saying that this is what they're going to do and then not do it. Because, and that's got to, that's, hey, shh. We're doing a podcast. And, and so, um. Anyways, uh, um, Bill. Well, hold up. Hold oh, up. okay. My bad. My um, bad. What was I going to say? Um, the, the, oh, homesteading, right. Beca- be- the homesteading. And so them not understanding a lie is because, like, the people would, um, they're, they're so used to, like, it's not about you. It's about the tribe. Right. right. Well, so, everybody and, held and themselves so, to a code of honor. And if somebody's lying, then that's bad for everybody. Like, have you ever heard of a coup stick? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in battle, natives would carry this stick with them, and if you got close enough to strike an enemy with the coup stick, that was, like, more hardcore. You got more stripes for that than actually killing them because you got close enough in the heat of battle where you're supposed to be killing to inflict harm, but it was more like a, a mercy show. So when that shit would happen, if you had someone counted coup on you in battle, you would be ostracized and exiled from your tribe Unless you could do certain things, or if it was bad enough, they would just kick you out of the fucking tribe. Damn. So it was like I said, for better or worse, they'd be like, I'm going to fucking kill you. So everybody, you know what I mean? There's witnesses, and everybody's going to hold you to that standard of what you say. Because there was like no such thing as like surrender either, right? Well, here's the thing is, and this is to go to the Comanches, this is why the Comanches lost. So first of all, you have to look at the Comanches were the most formidable uh, cavalry force in on the planet of Earth at that time. Okay, nobody was better on a horse in battle than the Comanches. I was gonna say because of the horses, right? But it was, and it was because of the way they could ride uh, off the side of the horse, hanging off the horse, and shoot from under the horse's neck, one arrow per second, hanging off the side of the horse, basically using the horse as a shield. Yeah. So anyway, um, the reason why the Comanche were eventually defeated was because 
Zero native tribes fought for total domination. They fought to prove a point. Once the point was proven because they worked on an honor system, they honored that. You come back next battle season or whatever it is and try to do it again. Hmm. So it wasn't... Um, most of the time when natives fought, it was over hunting territory. So traditionally, the, the Eastern Shoshone go from the Wind River area right now, currently, to uh, Western Idaho, to uh, Northern Idaho, and the Yellowstone area is where the Eastern Shoshone. So if the they would catch the Blackfoot too, too far past or the Crow too far past the uh, Yellowstones, they would suiting up. It was time to go. No, these are our hunting grounds. Hmm. These, these are... So... You ever heard of Crowheart Butte? So they never went to war to, like, move in on somebody's shit. Well, they never established empires, you know what I mean? So most wars were to take over territory and resources. Right. So natives, they weren't trying to take over everything. They were just protecting their hunting lands because, you know what I mean, everybody now knows if you overhunt, you're going to make everything go extinct. The natives understood this. So it was more like a defensive warfare than... um Essentially, yeah. Then, like, moving in on your I mean, enemy. and then you had traditional enemies. Like I said, the, the Shoshone, we didn't get along with the Crow, the Sioux, the Montana and, and Dakota tribes, and the Colorado tribes. So that's one thing I wanted to say to Bill. Uh, uh, you're down there in traditional Arapaho country. So uh, the Arapaho are now located on three reservations, one in Montana, that's uh, part of the northern Arapaho. Here on the Wind Rivers, that's the other part of the northern Arapaho. And in Oklahoma, and that's the southern Arapaho. So um, Totally split up. Yeah, and they're from where exactly where you're at right now, Bill. That's where they're from. And there's no Arapaho reservation, tribal anything in, in northern Colorado right there right now. No. And so <clears throat> uh, uh, I wanted to tell you a funny story because you're in Boulder. Um, the reason... Uh, Originally, that was Indian territory. All 100% of Wyoming and in into the bordering states was originally Indian Indian territory. How uh, Oklahoma was, um, but anyway, uh, native traders found gold in the mountains up above Denver, and in, in the Boulder area, and uh, they went to the native chiefs down there, and they're like, "Hey, we just want to establish trade. You know what I mean? We're not trying to move in." Um, and the, the native chief, I don't want to get, I don't want to say the wrong one. So, and I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but the, the Arapaho chief at that time told the, the, uh, white people, cause they were trading them guns and furs for little shiny rocks. And the native chief thought it was so fucking funny that these guys wanted these rocks. Like, yeah, pff, knock yourself out. Give us all your guns and fur. Go for it. Take all the fucking rocks you want. <laughs> Not knowing that they were starting a gold rush. And next thing you know, they were bullied out of there. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a little a neat little history tidbit uh, for where you're at. Another one for you here. So where we're the all at. The closest one I heard was Chief Niawat was uh, the one in the area here. I want to say Black Kettle, but I could be wrong. But anyway, uh, another little funny one. So uh, Fort Collins is right there, right? Yep. Okay. On the and other side. And we're in Casper right now. Okay. And we all know that Casper is named after uh, Corporal Casper Collins, right? Yep. Okay. So after the Battle of Platte Bridge Station, when the uh, Sioux and the Arapaho came and attacked the the settlers over here in Casper at Platte Bridge Station, which is now Fort Casper, um, the fort went abandoned after a few years. And when the army wanted to set it up again as an actual army post, because before it was kind of just like a trading post, 
and they wanted to set it up as an army post. So they wanted, they revamped it. They wanted to give it a more official name. They wanted to name it after Corporal uh, Casper Collins, but they were already naming a town in Colorado after his dad, Colonel W.E. Collins. So we was almost Fort Collins. Huh. But they was already in the process of naming the town in Colorado after his dad. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So you were talking about some of the uh, misconceptions or like. Yeah. Okay. So um, the number, so the number one, the number one thing that it just gets under my skin every time I hear it is when people talk about natives get government money. First of all, zero Native Americans or Native tribes ever have been allotted money from the government to give to their tribal members. Never once in American history. Okay. So what people are misconstruing as the government giving natives money is when natives come up with tribal funds like casinos, mineral rights, uh, things like that that generate money for the entire tribe, then the enrolled members of that tribe get a percentage of that money. So like we was talking about earlier with the Osage, they have oil money. So none of that's from the government. That's all from them, from their allotted land that they was forced to go to and then they turned around and made a profit from it legally so um, a lot of tribes in the united states don't get any money whatsoever none and then even the tribes that do get paid it comes with the blood quantum so you have to be x amount of blood degree to even uh, be an enrolled tribal member to get that money and then in a lot of cases like on my reservation i think the arapahoes get like 60 bu- or uh, 30 bucks a month and the shoshones get like 60 bucks a month you know what i mean that's not that's what is that you know what i mean a, a trip to mini mart a half tank of gas you know what i mean so that's not even anything really to brag about but that's one thing that i wanted one thing i wanted to clear up is that natives don't get government money it is it don't happen so that's the number one um the second one, too, is uh, what we were talking about with the Joe Rogan thing. Um, you know, it's just his perspective from the, the books that he's read and the people that he talked to on how I, how I was saying earlier um, about the trees and the sun and, and uh, the rocks. It, it isn't magical. It's just that we acknowledge their um, existence and their ability to be as useful as us and we can't uh, exist without them. So basically we're get, we're giving them a, um, we're pronouncing them, you know what I mean? We're making them into actual things rather than a, uh, anatomic thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like everything has its use. Exactly. You know, you, it's you to be respected enough. equally as you. So and, and basically the, it's making it a being. And just re and respecting, the world around you like you're not above anything right it's it's just it's a level of humility that comes with it that i mean and you can see it in today look at what we're doing to the earth bro it's just like there's toxic everything everywhere whole entire river systems polluted um oceans look at the pacific ocean from the fukushima uh uh military or not military a nuclear disaster that's it hasn't stopped have you seen that island it's basically an island of just plastic yeah See, like and that's trash. that's what we're doing to our globe. Like and it's that's, fucking miles of 
nobody respects the earth. You know what I mean? I, I'm close to somebody. I'm not going to say who it is or how I'm close to this person, but they fancy themselves one with nature. And I seen this person literally have a, a plastic wrapper from something he was eating in his hand, throw it on the ground, turn straight around and then hug a tree. Like, bro, that's, that's all the way backwards. That's like, uh, telling your mom her food sucks, spitting it in her face and then giving her a hug. Like, bro, that's, that's, that's backwards. Yeah. Well, and then really when you're, you're saying you're, you're going to hug that tree or whatever, you're really just like trying to signal that like, I'm a, I'm a good person, but your actions aren't right. Your, your <laughs> actions are still selfish. Aren't in, in line with what, what you're talking about. Yeah. So another one that I wanted it's to like, it's like fucking social points or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. You want people to say you're a good person instead of just like, being... it's like no offense, but uh, yeah. It's exactly what it is. So now another one that's super important to me um, that I wanted to dispel was the, and I know I'm sure you've heard it, that the that the Aztecs essentially welcomed the Spaniards um, because they thought they were their gods. Because they had, along with the Aztec myth, they had shiny white gods that came from the sea on the clouds or whatever, all this bullshit. Have you heard this? Yeah. Bill, have you heard this? Bill. Are you there, Bill? Yeah, I've heard that. Okay. Before. So, um, first of all, uh, it's a half truth. So there's a little bit to it, but have you ever heard the saying, a half truth is a whole lie? Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. So um, they took tidbits that they like that fit a narrative over, you know, decades later, not during the actual uh, conquest of Mexico. The Spanish didn't believe this. They were never told this by any of the Aztecs. So uh, a book that I, so that's one thing I wanted to dispel. They weren't just welcomed because they thought they were gods and then killed by smallpox. That's the farthest thing from the truth. So what really happened, and this comes all straight from the horse's mouth. This is from a book called The Memoirs of a Conquistador by Bernal Diaz de Castillo. And like I said, this is a literal firsthand account of a, the conquistador Bernal, Bernal, Bernal Diaz. So he uh, was one of the first conquistadors. He was just a, a lower ranking one too, but in the first group that left Cuba to Mexico and made its first contact with the Mayans and the Aztecs. And um, through his firsthand account, he says, the two things that I took always, every single native population that they came into friendly contact with the first thing that they would do after demanding tribute was that they demanded if these people still wanted to be friendly and not attacked was to knock down all their idols to their gods to resurrect or to erect a, a cross and an image of the Virgin Mary. Straight from the horse's mouth, from the conquistador, this is what he said they made them do if they established friendly contact. And if they wanted to remain friendly, this is what they had to do. So, um... And it was a process. First time Cortez went there, it took him a long time to actually get to Tenochtitlan, which was the city in the middle of the lake, the center of the Aztec Empire. Um, it took him a long time to get there because the Aztecs, Moctezuma, tried to uh, divert him at multiple uh, times of him trying to get there. He tried to pay him off, tried to bribe him, like, no, you don't need to come here. Here's some money, beat it. And then he's... Uh, threatened him okay well if you make it if you try to go past this we're going to send people against you and multiple times they did send people against him but they always did it as a warning assuming that this small number of spaniards uh would 
you know, take the warning and leave. But what they did was the Spaniards, uh, the first place they landed in the Yucatan, uh, uh, Cortez took one of the native, didn't take her like Columbus style, but established friendly relations. Um, and the, the chieftain basically gave him women and he took one in his wife as his wife and they called her Malinchi. So, um, through her, uh, they used as a translator and found out which tribes, uh, did and didn't, uh, get along with the, they were called the Mexica. They weren't called the Aztecs, but the Mexica, um, and they found out who the Mexica heavily oppressed and subjugated. So they found out who they can make allies out of. And that's what they did. They had over a hundred thousand natives with them against the Aztecs. So it wasn't just a few hundred Spaniards ran in, coughed on them, gave them smallpox and burnt the rest down. That's not at all what happened. It took, it was a process over a few years of Cortez battling and fighting. And then finally through disease, through a, a shortage of resources and through a, a superior armor and firearms with the Spanish is why the Mexica, the Aztecs finally fell. Interesting. Another one, the Mayan never fell to the Spanish, ever. They were basically isolated and the Spanish couldn't get a foothold to attack them properly. And uh, the Mayan empire was, uh, what's the word, unified enough to stand together against them to where they couldn't do what they did to the Aztecs to use neighboring tribes to help fight against them. Okay. And then the Incans, a similar situation happened to what would happened with the Aztecs. They were basically, uh, the Spanish basically made them run out of resources, kept attacking, attacking, attacking. And, and then the onset of diseases as well as warfare and time and the battle of attrition and the Spanish won. Okay. Um, so are like, you're bringing up the Aztecs and well, really, Mayans that was because the, the first European colonization in the Americas was in by the Spanish. Are and maybe this is an ignorant question. I I don't know, but so are like Native Americans like descendants of the Aztecs and so, um, yes and no because the Aztecs were their own thing, similar to the Shoshone or the Arapaho or Apache. I said, okay, so here's, just to give you a little bit of Aztec history, um, my la- my tribe, the Eastern Shoshone, the Shoshone language is what they call Udo-Aztecan-based. So it's similar to how English is Germanic and uh, Latin-based, right? The English language was formed from Germanic and Latin-based languages. So... The Shoshone language was based from Aztec and Ute language. So um, we speak a dialect of what they spoke, which was called Nahuatl, which is now currently called Nahuatl. Um, but the Mexi- or the Aztec were originally from the northern valley of Mexico in like present day, like uh, lower Arizona, New Mexico, and uh, Chihuahua and all those northern states right there in Mexico. That's where they were originally from. And then the Aztec myth is that they were told to uh, to travel until they found the place that they would settle, which was they would know because there would be an eagle on a cactus with a snake in its mouth, and that would be the place that they founded their empire. 
which in that happened to be in the middle of Lake Tenochtitlan, but they started in northern Mexico and in waves over decades, they branched out. Some went north, some went west, some went east. And then uh, the ones that went north eventually turned into the Ute, the Paiute, and the Shoshone. And the Shoshone turned into the Bannock and then later the Comanche. Hmm. So the Comanche, the tribe of the Comanche that's world-renowned, everybody's heard of the Comanche, was a band of eastern Shoshone until the horse were introduced by the Spanish to the Shoshone. And then that band branched off from the eastern Shoshone down the Rockies into Texas, Ona, Oklahoma. I heard something about, um, what was it? Uh, so, like, horses, uh, what was it? Weren't they, so this was where, like, horses evolved was no. in North America? No, and then they used, in the ancient, in the Ice Age, they had many horses here, but the horses we have nowadays came from, uh, <clears throat> Uh, the Middle East and uh, Europe, hmm. but in the in the Ice Age days, because camels evolved here, right? Camels, yeah, I've heard that. camels did. Horses, there were many horses, but the horses that we have now are descendants of the European and Arabian horses. And like in Comanche culture, so the, is it true that, um, like so, that you, you, the basically their currency was horses, right? Nearly or, all, nearly all nomadic plains tribes' currency was so animals. a rich man was somebody with a lot of horses, a lot of horses. Yes. So cool story. Check this out. So uh, I keep talking about it. I'm Eastern Shoshone. I'm direct descendant from Chief Washkey. So Chief Washkey's, uh, let me think, his grandson. Chief Washkey's grandson is my great grandpa Dewey Washkey. Okay, so uh, my great grandma Nellie, her dad was a German immigrant, straight from Germany, moved to Dubois, Wyoming. Okay, Mm -hmm. he was a sheep farmer. So now, if you know anything about livestock, sheep are lower on the totem pole uh, of horses and cows. Right. That's why, like Irish uh, immigrants and shit back in the day, they're all sheep farmers and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, they didn't have like cattle. Yeah. So anyway. my grandma Nellie, her dad was a German immigrant. He wasn't Americanized, so he didn't look at Native Americans the same way as that current times Americans did. He wasn't racist like they were. So uh, my uh, grandpa Dewey came and propositioned him. I can't remember the number, if it's 15 or 16, but it's 15 or 16 horses for his teenage daughter because back in that day, 15, 16 was marry her off age. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like I said, my great-grandpa, he wasn't racist. He didn't look at natives crazy. So when this native came to him with all these horses for his teen daughter who had to go get married anyway and leave, you know what I mean? It was a fucking come-up for him. Right. So check it out. My grandma Nellie had 12 kids, okay? All those kids had like 6 to 12 kids themselves, okay? So at the time of my grandma Nellie's death, I think there were three generations after her at the time of her death, she was responsible for almost 300 little Indians. Okay? That's crazy. Yeah. This little white woman made all these natives, bro. So that was at the time of her death. I was, I think, 11 when she died. I'm 36 now, so 25 years later. Um, we're, I think, two generations later. So that's five generations. And at that time, like I said, she was almost 300. She has to be close to 500 people now that she's responsible for that are all claim native heritage 
and her she her dad was straight from Germany. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's tight. It's way fucking tight. But uh, uh, so that was Chief Washke's grandson married a white woman who was my grandma and had all them kids, and then that's where I come from. Nice. That's uh, you know, and there had to have been quite a few people like that. I mean, I it, not everybody could have been like completely racist like that, but you know, I mean, I think they had something similar to that in one of those uh, Yellowstone shows. Where well, I think it's an isolation dude, thing. It's the, the same as yeah, today. Yeah, if, you, if you're out on your... If you live in Buffalo, Wyoming, you have zero minority friends, and all you watch is Fox News, it's easier to perpetuate you know, what Fox News is saying about other people. Mm-hmm. If you have no hands-on experience, if you've never met a Mexican, a black, or a native, and been friendly with them, you don't have an opinion other than what's been force-fed to you. Well, in in that show, that what this guy, white guy, uh, married a native chick, and you know they're just living their their life out on, you know, pretty isolated out there, and like these other white dudes show up and start treating like that dude like shit, and like because they like saw him as less. For being married to an they call they call them squaw man, <laughs> which is you know really fucked up, like really fucked up. I mean, it's the history, just like everything about like, and it, and it sucks that it's like that because the history of a uh, white people being here is so fucking negative. With just, like, the way they treated natives, like, to, I mean, and it, it's all based in, like, religious shit, right? Well, I mean, it's all power shit. So, if you're a whole a wholesome, quote-unquote, Christian, you don't believe in murdering anybody, you know what I mean, regardless of their race. However, if you're a person who is wanting to grab power and these other people have what you want, the thing that you're like going to do is alienate those people. Like you talk to people from the military who have been somewhere else. The thing that they do to kill people is dehumanize them. So that's essentially what everybody in governmental power positions have done, especially in the United States over human history, is they find someone to dehumanize, to alienate. And uh, that's how they reap their benefits of what they're looking for from those groups. And so they used religion as a tool. You know what I mean? Like I said, I don't believe that any wholehearted Christian was out there saying, you know, kill them all if they don't want to believe in Jesus. You know, they were probably, well, there might be a different way or maybe they're not so bad. And you that's, know what I mean? and that's, but it's, and then, and not just the, like, kill them all, but it's like we were saying about the boarding schools. Well, so then here's another and, and, quote that I brought for you, and it's super famous, and it's from, I do believe, Andrew Jackson. Let me double-check right here. Um, I think it's from Andrew, Andrew Jackson, but it's, uh, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And then here's another one from a, a, a random U.S. colonel. The quote says, kill every buffalo you can. Every buffalo dead is an Indian gone. So they looked at him as a, you know, as basically as a vermin. That's the best way to say it. That's like rats. Rats, rabbits, prairie dogs. 
Right. Something you could sit out here and take target practice on. Native scalps were sold openly. So during the like the, fucking pelts. Yeah, exactly. So during the fucking uh, the land act, the homestead acts, um, certain provisions were made every time there was another homestead act enacted. They put provisions in it, and one of them towards the end of the 1800s was uh, any native basically that you see near your homestead, you're allowed to kill them. Period. It doesn't fucking matter. And then in after that, you could turn right around, scalp that native, and go sell their their scalp for money. So what, it was. What the fuck was, are you doing with the scalps? It was essentially giving people head rights, or you know, to go headhunt natives. And it doesn't. You could make up any fucking lie you want. You know, what I mean? you just need twenty bucks. Shoot this motherfucker. Go scalp him. Oh, he was walking through my my land. He was threatening my wife. And who are they gonna believe? Yeah, the toothless old hillbilly or the fucking three fifths of a human. Right. That's. You know what I mean? And that's just the way. It's it's just systemic. So that's the thing that I always try to impress upon. White people that always say, well, I didn't do anything. Uh, you know, I didn't do that. Uh, I didn't own any slaves. I didn't hang any natives. I didn't, you know, I didn't do this. Well, okay, I, I get that. I, as a knowledgeable person, understand that you, Cluffy, have never done that. But you, Cluffy, as a white person, if you claim to be not racist, understanding and empathetic of minority plights, the things that you first have to acknowledge is that systemic and inherent racism are extremely real and alive in the united states from the day it was founded to current day if you can't admit systemic racism and inherent racism aren't things in the united states then you will never be able to fully grasp any of these things any of these concepts of what it's like to be a minority and come from these different cultures because you're only looking at it through a a euro euro centric view Mm-hmm. And like, do you understand systemic racism? Like uh, banks and laws and things that were put well, yeah, in place to gonna, keep certain people from positions say, of power. Like reservations. They try or, to make it so you can't understand it. That's the whole the well, evil and, part of it all. Yeah, right. And I was I, having I, a I was discussion today get, with the guy about white privilege, and he's like, "Well, what are these? What are these benefits and privileges? I've never got them, and it's not a set out." list of benefits that you receive for being white it's the ability and benefit to not be discriminated against because of your skin color when you're trying to find housing or a job or you know trying to fit into society in these normal ways but you're looked at not because of your clothes not because of your job but because of your skin color that's what white privilege is it's the ability to make it through life without that one thing deterring you from essentially being able to be just a human being well and i was gonna say um i'd say like reservations they still they still exist and it's not to like give native people what they need it's like it's still there to it's like putting uh like black people in in segregated neighborhoods and shit like that and like so the one thing you always hear, the American, right. uh, the American minded, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality is, well, why don't they just leave? I, I have a job and I work for everything I have. Well, it's because when you come from literal generations of nothing and yeah, you, you were, you're you... trying, you're trying to establish yourself in a place with zero resources monetarily, there is no jobs on the reservation. Right. None. I just saw my, my son 
in school, it, uh, they were talking about, um, I forget what tribe it was, but they were talking about um, the land that was taken from them uh, way back in the day. And it, it got all the way to the Supreme Court, and they were talking about... It was probably the tribes in the Black Hills, the, right, and probably they, the Sioux. And they were talking, I think it was the, the Sioux, because uh, they were... The Supreme Court ruled that um, they didn't uphold the agreements, like you were saying, any agreement mm-hmm. or anything. I, so what had made, happened in that well, case hold, hold was up, there was up. a mount settled on, and the tribes yeah, but said now, they don't want it because it now, ain't for sale. It was never for sale. Yeah, but and now they're saying if we had that land, we'd be able to do much more. It would make the tribe much more prosperous and then they ruled that uh that land was worth upwards of like 1.3 billion dollars in today's yeah well i mean i i agree with the sue's assessment the land was never for fucking sale and then they're also saying they're like there's literally nothing like we can't even get a foothold or or get somewhere where we can establish uh anything it's like there are zero jobs there yeah like bro the pine ridge reservation is this the poorest place per capita in the united states of america yeah and it's really sad because they're like it doesn't just affect it's like there's barely any schools there's nothing there's literally nothing so it's there's starts, no stores there's no schools there's no restaurants there's starts, no banks there's nothing bro it starts as soon as you're born so like to be like oh well why don't you just pull like you said pull up your bootstraps and it's like i don't have any boots yeah motherfucker yeah there you go so <laughs> i i grew up in in a town called pavilion wyoming before i moved to casper at 13 or 14 i lived in pavilion wyoming and that's was when i was a kid it was population like 250 bro uh we didn't barely ever Bro, if we if we had electricity, we didn't have running water for sure. If we had running water, we didn't have electricity. And if we had both of them, we for sure the fuck didn't have no food. Yeah. So it's that's the way I grew up, and I didn't know there was any different. It's one thing that I'm always grateful. Um, my grandparents, uh, my grandpa worked for the railroad growing up, so he was able to take my grandma away from there because my grandma's basically lived her whole life in Riverton. You know what I mean? And uh, when he took her away from there, she was able to get different opportunities. And now that she's back there, she's created a lane through. She she was a cosmetologist and then a, a teacher. She ta- teaches cosmetology. So now she went back and started a beauty school there. And she's been able to make her way. But not everybody's afforded that chance. She was lucky that she married my grandpa who worked for the railroad. And his job dictated that he lived in different places. Yeah, and you it's you can't. Uh, start to build a better life if you're constantly struggling to survive. It's, it's, it's damn near impossible. Yeah, and I mean, it's not getting any better as anybody in America, not from a reservation or not. You know that inflation is a very real fucking thing. So yeah, what do you it, do if you don't have a job or if you're not able to get a job? You know what I mean? Or if you're the only provider for your family, your car breaks down. Now you miss work. Now you can't fix your car. Now you're everything the poverty just the cycles start like that and it's very often because the the opportunities to better your life aren't there and then what are you gonna do it's like if you have no legal means to get a job you need money so of course you're gonna end up getting into like shady shit 
Like it just, and then that perpetuates like putting people into prison. And well, then here's not, an, here's it's, another it's thing a, is um, the 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 resources aren't there for anything. So the uh, not that I'm a fan of American policing, but there is no fear of anything happening to you there because. I could murder you right now and sit there with you for days before anybody would know about it, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's no uh, fear of of breaking laws because if and when you do see the consequence, it doesn't even fucking matter to you anyway because what do you got to lose? I'm going to go to prison and guess what? I'm going to eat three times yeah, a day. I'm going to work out. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do all that shit. It's going to be better than where I'm at. Better than... Uh, getting strung out on meth or becoming an alcoholic at a very young age and then not having a way to support yourself in your life, let alone your habits, once you become of an age to do it. But anyways, I want to get off all that terribleness. Everybody who, there's lots of resources. Anybody who wants to know about any of this, YouTube it. YouTube, the Wind River Reservation, it, murders will come up. Uh, all kinds of mistreatments will come up. YouTube, the Pine River Pine Ridge Reservation, same thing. Poverty, crime, that's all they talk about in these places. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. I wanted to more or less kind of go over history. Did you get a chance to get to Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee? I didn't. Not yet. Okay, so that was a book that was, in my young life, very... Uh, it was uh, almost... I don't even know how to describe it. It was like uh, someone telling you terrible truths about your past and you can't do anything about it. So that book was actually written by a white guy. And like I said, like I when I in the beginning, I don't want to discredit any of the research that any of these dudes done because in their efforts they're trying to put forth an honest uh you know a uh, piece of literature, but oftentimes they're only selling a certain point of view and that's all of their knowledge, you know what I mean? So if 100% of your knowledge is just a grain of sand on the beach, you don't know that much. You know what I mean? So like I said, I'm not knocking their efforts. Um, the only thing I discrepancies I have is what they put out is just a tiny little piece or they're what they wanted to cover piece of that portion of history. So Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee does a really good job of going over uh, the Pilgrim's Landing to all the way to the last Modocs in California. So it, it over westward expansion and and all that stuff, the American Indian Wars, um, the French and Indian Wars, it goes over everything. Tribes playing each other or the government playing tribes against other tribes like uh, Pawnee Scouts are super famous. So the, the government used Pawnee against numerous other tribes and the Pawnee thought that they were benefiting uh, both monetarily and social status within the white culture, but at the end of the American Indian Wars, guess what? They were sold straight back down the river to the reservations to be treated as the exact same people that they were just helping subjugate. Hmm. So um, that was a, a super common thing, and that's one thing I, I why I recommended that book to you. I feel like that's probably the best jump-off point for American Native history for, uh, you know, like... 101 that's the best jumping off point that i can direct somebody to but one thing that i've loved studying and i devote a lot of my personal study to is uh human migration patterns into the americas because have you heard of the white sands footprints have you heard of them bill yes no i haven't okay so uh the white sands footprints they date to 
30 that's, that's around albuquerque right yep, white yep, sense yep yep so they they did they uh, date that back to 33,000 years ago okay so the theory we were all taught in school was the bering strait theory right the the natives came over the bering strait and waited for the ice shelf to recede which meant natives made it here roughly 13 to 14,000 years ago is what we was all generally taught in school right mm -hmm. okay so if that that the white sands footprints completely dispel that and so uh one thing that i've devoted a lot of my studies to have you ever seen moana i haven't you seen moana bill yeah okay I've seen it. so i'm really big into mythology and after i watch moana it's based on a, a greek demigod or not greek a, a hawaiian demigod and i'm not familiar with hawaiian uh uh theology or mythology so i had to brush up on it and that sent me down about a year and a half rabbit hole so anyway at the end of that rabbit hole it came out of it into human migration patterns because it blew my mind that these humans you ever looked at a globe and you see where hawaii is at on the globe it's a speck in the middle of all ocean that covers one third of the whole planet yet they made it from these islands over in the the polynesians in the uh, pacific southwest and new zealand area they used all those as the jump off points to find all these Polynesian islands and uh, Hawaii, uh, Easter islands and stuff like that. So when I got down that rabbit hole, put the white sands together, the Olmec statues, all these ancient megalithic things, the Easter islands things. Um, and it led me to the theory. And this is uh, there's other scientists that have this theory. It's not. The big one because everybody's still on the Bering Strait thing, but that's slowly starting to go away. But is a Pacific crossing theory, and it's and it's uh, just one wave of humans because um, I believe personally that humans came in multiple waves. They came the Bering Strait way, and by the Bering Strait, they also came down the coast. That would make the most sense. They also came down the coast to the Pacific Northwest, and there was also an opposite route across the ice shelf in Canada that took them into the Great Lakes area. And that's why a lot of those tribes are Algonquin speaking and a lot of the Southwest to Western tribes like where I'm from are Udo Aztecan based. So through all this, I've come, my theory is that a lot of the South American tribes came the Polynesian route. They came the New Zealand way and, and um, genetics have linked certain areas. And now we know that a lot of them are eradicated. So we'll know we'll never get an actual full genetic testing from the actual indigenous peoples from then but nowadays the the people on and uh, around easter island have polynesian uh dna in them and they also found or the yam the sweet potato is uh native to peru and they found that in the in hawaii and other polynesian islands and also a specific type of chicken type fowl from the polynesians they found those bones in south america so it's obvious that there was trading and, you know, things, migrations going on that way. But so I'm of the mind that humans have been coming here in waves for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years and settling in different areas. And now through LIDAR and stuff, they're discovering new stuff in the Amazon and in South America all the damn time. Oh, yeah. That's older than we ever thought. Go Beckley Tepe. Yeah. Well, that's in Turkey, but yeah. Right. But I'm just saying like, these uh there's a lot of evidence that we've been around right. a, a lot longer and, and than than uh mainstream science would lead, try to lead you to believe and you know like some of those monolithic sites 
you know, it, they kind of point towards uh, advanced civilizations that existed way back in the past, and then, you know, cataclysmic shit happens, and then we get reset. See, and, and that's the thing, remember I said earlier, I hate Graham Hancock. The one thing I do like is that he brings to the forefront all these ancient cultures and that mainstream archaeology has been taking a biased approach to it for a long time. And oh, that, yeah. They've, like I said, that's the shit gone, that we've They've been gone taught. after him pretty hardcore. But the thing I don't like about Graham Hancock, you ever listen to his books? Yeah, I'm actually listening to one right now. It's fucking. Which, I can't remember which one. It was. Uh, it's magicians of the gods, and then he's got fingerprints. Of fingerprints the gods. of the gods. Okay, so in fingerprints of the gods, the reason why I've barely made I've made it into it, but I should have finished it a long time ago. If I listened to it at the rate that I listen to other books, I'd be done with it a long time ago. But I can't because he's coming from an extremely biased uh, viewpoint from the opposite spectrum. He's not trying to ride the medium. He, he's he's embracing his bias and completely rolling with that and because he spent a, a big part portion of the book that I've listened to basically just shit-talking other archaeologists. He can't just leave it at, my theory is this, or, you know, mainstream science, science thinks this based on this, but I think this based on this. He's literally name-dropping and bashing other scientists numerous throughout his book which lets me believe that he's got his own which, agenda and well bias. and I, I think a lot of that's like a defensive reaction he has a lot of those people have gone after him okay. and done the same thing so there's him. one layer so like, to why i don't like graham hancock the second one is this the have you, I, i'm sure you've heard his his theory on the olmec statues do mm, you know what the olmec heads are you know what they are bill they're these giant they're these so. giant head statues in uh south america in mainly in the mayan areas of the yucatan but uh they're from the olmec civilization which predated the maya the aztec the inca all that um but there are these giant uh megalithic heads and um the features on them are broad-nosed wide-lipped oh yeah I, I know what you're talking about um, now so graham hancock his whole so he's one of the ancient alien type people that try to link all the megalithic structures around the earth, around the earth to each other, and then basically back to the Anunnaki and shit like that. That's I never, why I, I never don't heard him say anything. Yes, about that. The, bro. What do you think the fingerprints he, of the gods are? The Anunnaki's, bro. That's what he's talking no, about. The fingerprints of the gods is. Uh, the monolithic site. Yeah, so he's saying that he, he, I've that never, one, I've never heard one, him say anything about. Uh, you haven't listened alien. to him enough, then. Oh, I've listened to him a ton. You haven't listened to him enough if you've never seen him take because the, he's. Uh, I didn't well, say I didn't he, say aliens. I said the ancient alien approach. Well, the you ever watched the show the Ancient Anun Aliens? Yeah, the Anunnaki were supposedly from alien that. beings that came here and basically to, made us hybrids out of gold. them and and aliens for their own purposes to mine gold yes okay so my thing is all those ancient alien theories try to make the uh the pyramids in in mesoamerica the pyramids in africa and the pyramids in uh southeast asia correlate with each other so two things one well i don't know the if pyramid, that has anything to do he, with the he, aliens though he, it's more like 
No, the, bro. It's it's all the same civilizations yes. being able to contact each no. other when they weren't supposed That's to be. That's not able at all to. what Graham Hancock says. It is. No, it isn't. A hundred percent. Not at all, bro. You're gonna have to send me some quotes. Because that's why I'm I just listened to a podcast of to him talking book. today, and that's what he was saying. But anyways, okay, so my point is that it's like a flat earth theory. The hollow earth theory ties into the flat earth theory, but the hollow earth theory is not the flat earth theory. That's what I'm saying. He's taking the quote-unquote ancient alien mindset and applying it to his science, if that's what you want to call it. Okay. Okay, it's of uh, there was other beings on this planet in ancient... Uh, what does he call them? Uh, advanced, advanced, advanced civilization. But he's not saying they're. He's but saying, he, it's he's okay. So the ancient alien shit ties in with the Atlantis shit, and all this stuff is of ain't of humans of a different time period pre us that was so advanced, but it wasn't of human uh, uh, construct. It was from somewhere else. In all these theories, bro. So anyway, my point is this. Let me get to my point. So my point is this. Graham Hancock tries to tie all these megalithic structures together. So by doing that, he's only taking a European mindset and applying it to other ancient cultures, which he has no understanding of because he doesn't come from that culture. The best he can do is go there and try to interpret it. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't take into account enough those people's... Uh, myths unless it fits his narrative is what i'm saying so check this out i say that to say this the as a native american i find it extremely disrespectful that anybody would say that mesoamericans only built pyramids because prior contact from a different civilization it's the same as saying the egyptians couldn't have made their pyramids without alien intervention it's the exact same thing we all have brains that are capable of the same things and then so to another level all those pyramids in those places are built differently extremely differently structurally egyptians was built on a flat level surface and up like that on blocks the aztecs and the mayans they built theirs on top of already existing hills and they did it with extremely smaller blocks and they did it in levels like uh uh, uh troy Right, I'm sure you've seen things on Troy, how Troy was built in levels. Mm -hmm. There was like six or seven different levels to Troy built over the hundreds of different years that it was a thing. So it's the same with all the Mesoamerican pyramids. What we see now was rarely, if ever, the original structure. It was always one thing, and then they upgraded, made it bigger, upgraded, made it bigger. Right. So all these things are built different. So to say that one couldn't exist without the other is a bias I can't abide by. And that's why I don't like Graham Hancock. Okay. Because um, he's dead set that the Olmecs are 100% proof that ancient Africans settled in Mesoamerica and Mesoamerican cultures learned the things that they know from ancient Africans. But you, I mean, could be possible, though. Yeah, I, well, anything I mean, could be possible, bro, right. but it, we just go off. So if you, like I said, bro, I'm a Native American, so to me it's disrespectful to say that we couldn't accomplish what someone else in a different part of the world did without their help. That's, Why? No, that's fair, and I, I agree with that. 
You know what I mean? It's that's just one thing that super irks me because then you dig into it farther and like I said, the pyramids in all these places, the ones in Southeast Asia, the ones in in Africa, and the ones in Mesoamerica are all structurally built different. None of them are built the same at all. And like I said, first, the first and foremost thing you need to understand is the simplest thing to build structurally sound is a pyramid. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Go pile something up right now and look at the shape it's going to take once it finally decides it wants to stand up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So it's 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 just it's, it's just offensive. It's like telling it's exact same thing as telling an African that the Egyptians couldn't have built the pyramids without aliens as telling me as a Native American that the Mesoamericans couldn't have built their pyramids without African intervention. And now here's I do believe because we were talking about human migrations, mm-hmm. right? I do believe that because all life started in Africa, this is a scientific fact, that somewhere during human evolution that people from Africa could have made it to the Americas. I'm not saying that's not possible, but if you want to go and look into DNA and genetics, which is the main thing that I try to reference, there is no native African blood in any of the Mesoamericans DNA. They can tell if maybe, uh, uh, you know, the Spanish brought some slaves over during normal migration times that Africans or Jamaicans or even European black people came to South America and Mexico and then had kids, you know what I mean? But you could tell genetically when that happens. And like I said, there's nothing in, in people with dominant Mesoamerican blood that shows anything with African DNA also. So those are those are like the main points that I wanted to get across because these are things that are perpetuated. You know, it's like, Cluffy, when we were younger, everybody heard Sierra had a dick and Bow Wow got raped by his limo driver. We all heard these stupid, weird things that you can't confirm because before that, everybody didn't have instant technology uh, access to limited technology in their hand. You know what I mean? So... We, everybody just perpetuated it. So these are the things that I'm talking about now that have been perpetuated over the course of, uh, of American history, you know, to basically shed American history in one light or another, like, uh, uh, what's it called when they went West? What did they call it? God damn it. Thomas Jefferson. What do you call it, Bill? manifest destiny yep there you go so they put a fancy title to it and they made it a right a human right for white americans to for manifest destiny which meant it was your human right to be able to go stake your claim on life start your your farm or ranch or whatever and live your your best life you know what i mean but it was only gold it was only for those people it wasn't for everybody so uh blacks got the right to vote after uh after slavery ended women got the right to vote in 1824 natives didn't gain the full rights to vote in all 50 states until 1965 yeah there were still boarding schools until the early 1960s my great grandma my grandma merle my grandma's mom was one of those natives that had to go to a boarding school cut her hair off she her name is merle 
You know what I mean? That That's wasn't her name. Fucking crazy. You know what I mean? I All mean, these things. That that would still exist up until that point. See, and that's what people. I mean, Nineteen sixty-five. Like people are still alive. Man. Yeah, that's what it that's wasn't great, that far in the past. My dad was alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's nuts. So these are things that you know people talk about generational trauma. Well, you know, my dad and my grandma and my great grandma, people that I know who are still alive went through this shit. You know what I mean? It's not it's not that far away for us. It's really not. I mean the country I'm first generation off the res, bro. My dad still lives there. The United States as you know isn't that old. How I mean what is it almost 300 years or so? 1776. So I mean that's really nothing. No. On, I mean in the, the grand on, scale on, of on the scale of yeah. like human existence. Yeah. This modern kind of world we live in it's it's have you ever seen those scales like a, it's not like a i guess it's a timeline i guess you could say that but are you talking about where we are now on the yeah and it's it's 24 hour clock tiny, thing yeah tiny fucking sliver we're on like the last two seconds before midnight of yeah, the it, it's fucking like it really puts shit in because i mean we we live in like uh, if we're lucky like a hundred year increments so it's like it seems like like when you're born. So what is this, 1923, bro? A hundred years ago, women and natives could not vote in this country. Yeah, and it's it's like you, you, you're you born, and, like, it's easy to, like, just for... Because you don't have that perspective of, like, a thousand years. Like, your fucking brain really doesn't... Right, it's <laughs> like, like kids compute. when you tell them five minutes, they don't know what the fuck five minutes. Your is. brain doesn't really compute like what a thousand years is. It's yeah, like that's what drives me crazy about, um, you know, when they're carbon dating shit or they're talking about, oh, you know, uh, this shit happened between three hundred and a thousand years. You know what I mean? Like, I not no specific example, but I think they're usually like, closer just, than that. On what? Uh, like carbon dating? Uh, not really. I think they're pretty specific nowadays, bro. Well, I mean, a lot of not just carbon dating, but I mean, the, I'm sure the older it is, the harder it is. But to you know, you know what I'm saying, date, though. I, I get, I get like, what you're saying. It's like a fucking. They're like between two hundred and a thousand, like, and you're like, but a thousand years. I mean. But on the time like, scale of of the world's evolution, that's really not that big. That's just like a blip. No, I know, but like a thousand years is still a really fucking long time for a lot of different shit. I mean, to but happen. it's really not. That's why I say we're just a more evolved blade of grass, bro. We have a super short life cycle, so I mean, a thousand years in the grand scheme of the Earth is nothing. Well, yeah, that's but like I'm saying a, like a blink. So what my I guess my point was is like when when you're born you. It's easy to think of the way things are now is like how they are going to be and how they have been forever. And it's really not, you know, 300 years. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. But it's, I just think that's really interesting shit is like when they show you that timeline or that clock or whatever mm-hmm, you were talking mm-hmm. and it, it's it because they show from like when how long people were like hunter gatherers right and that that's 
such a fucking huge chunk of time compared to like the way things are now. So there's a super cool book and it doesn't really go over anything really in, in the Americas, but it's more of, uh, the Asia, the middle East and Europe and Africa. Um, it's called history of the ancient world and it go, it takes you back to basically like Gobegli Tepe to ancient Samaria. The beginning of documented time is when this book starts and it goes up to the fall of the Roman empire. It's one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking awesome. And it's not, it doesn't really generalize. It goes deep into shit. Yeah, and it's hard to imagine that this isn't, you know, this shit could fall just like Rome did. And, you know, a thousand years from now or 13,000 years from now, they don't know anything about us. See, and this is one thing And our shit would fall apart way faster like this shit would be gone in 13,000 bro years. one one emt or solar flare there goes everything yeah and then there goes all our monetary system all of our everything or a fucking meteor hits a fucking planet right resets us down to fucking 10,000 people or whatever i mean that shit happened in the past probably more than once uh to the point where the only people that are surviving are just like straight fucking survival of the fittest the the toughest of the tough and then you have no knowledge of like in in, see and i don't believe in that that's the one thing i don't like too about how are you you just got amnesia yes every single person just got we don't know anything about gobekli tepe and like the people that built that but that's because that was before uh, they because there's shit on Gobekli Tepe. We just don't know how to decipher it. It's like exactly, Egyptian we, hieroglyphs. We couldn't decipher until the Rosetta Stone. Exactly. That's and without that, imagine how much we would. Exactly. Know. So that's Gobekli Tepe isn't isn't unreachable. It's just that we don't understand it now. That's what I keep trying to preach with the the Europeanized view. You can't look at things through that view because those weren't those people. So they weren't looking through that view. So you're not going to understand it. Well, and yeah, how differently, just how differently the Egyptians live, for example, as opposed to like how we live now, their, their culture was so completely different that it, it, it literally doesn't even compute. Uh, like you have no frame of reference because like you weren't there. Right. See, and that's, and that's why I said, you know, at the beginning disclaimer, I'm not going to speak on the things that I don't know or don't have firsthand knowledge of for other tribes, Mm -hmm. uh, unless it's, I do know for sure, but that's why, you know what I mean? It's because I don't want to try to put my point of view as a human, my cultural point of views, my societal, my uh, all those different types of things that I look through my lenses at onto somebody else because I'm not going to understand it. It's just, you know, we could break it down more basic. Uh, girls, I, I haven't been single for seven years because there, there came a point in my life when I turned 30 years old that I'm like, I just don't, it don't compute. The way females think and process and act upon their thinking and the way they process shit, it doesn't compute to me. I don't get it. When somebody spontaneously cries, I'm genuinely confused. Yeah. I'm so genuinely confused. Like I want I like want a Homer Simpson in the bushes out of the room because I don't get it. So that's the same as trying to apply your limited knowledge and viewpoints to a different culture and especially a different ancient culture. Right. You can have your theories and you can I mean, theorizing on things, and but 
like to claim absolute knowledge, which I don't think he does. I mean, I obviously we he have goes a, pretty we fucking have a hardcore, view. bro. We he, have a different view on all that. He's pretty embedded in his viewpoints. He de- there's not a lot of wiggle room, bro. Because if there was, he wouldn't constantly bash other people in a publication. When I you ever wrote out a mean text, you're fucking going off on somebody, and then you're like, you know what? Delete. I I don't. You know, even if that is what I do mean. It's not a good approach, and especially a professional approach, to go about it that way. That's why I feel the way I do about Graham Hancock, bro. That book, that multiple books that he wrote, have to go through vetting systems, and that still made it to the last level, so he is pushing his bias and narrative over open-mindedness. Mm. It's like, have you ever heard, take what you want and leave the rest? Mm -hmm. He doesn't. He only takes what he wants. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, it's because you like, like him. That's why. No, it's because I've listened to a, a lot of what he said, bro. And I've watched every episode of Rogan he's ever been on, and I've made it into one of his books. I'm not, you know, I'm not just a I know his name guy. I'm very I'm, well I'm not, aware of him and his viewpoints. I don't think he necessarily is like bashing anyone. It's more. It is, the, bro. The, Listen to the book. He, he straight talks shit he, on other more, scientists. He's more opposed to those, the mainstream scientists not being open-minded or even be being willing to entertain the idea. So what he's doing is the, he's being Donald Trump hating on Joe Biden. He's not in the middle anywhere. He's on his extreme side. Uh, I think he's saying that about like mainstream science. He is, bro, but that's the same thing as what I just said. Donald Trump bashing Joe Biden. Donald Trump isn't a better person because he's pointing out Joe Biden's flaws. He's a douchebag for not taking the higher road. And why? It's like a dude who talks shit to a different girl to get her about you. Oh, you used to talk to Cluffy? He, I heard this about him and I heard this about him to make himself look better. It's what Graham Hancock does. So that's why he gets the wash of any of his opinions out of any knowledgeable discussion I have pertaining to anything that relates to my culture. Mm-hmm. Graham Hancock, I don't give a fuck how many uh, uh, pyramids he's seen in Mesoamerica. He can't tell me anything about being a native or my culture. Right. Well, and that's, you know, I agree to that point. Um, and and it's you know it's completely all right for us to have differing uh, opinions Look, about shit. Gonna, That's like why I keep bringing up the Olmec heads, and you said you'd never seen them. Watch, I have. Uh, I, okay. I know which which ones you're talking about now. Okay, check this out. Then I'm just gonna. Yeah, those are those are it. Dog, that looks like me and my brother. <laughs> yeah, that looks like me and my brother. To say that those are strictly African features is racist and fucking Eurocentric. That is not open-minded or wanting to learn about different cultures in any way. He sticks to a hard line that these are the solid proof that African cultures were the first ones in Mesoamerica. This is his absolute proof is these Olmec heads. Hmm. And then he'll go find other similarities like a snake hieroglyph on the side of a pyramid. And then he'll find one on the side of a pyramid in Egypt. Like, of course, retard. They were in both places. They also had one of a jaguar. They also had one of a fucking bird. There were birds in Egypt too, but they try to tie those together as an absolute. And that's through, uh, like I said, they're only looking at through it 
at it through their lens point and discrediting the mental ability and cultures of a whole other people by saying that they couldn't have come up with that by themselves. Hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing that perpetuates all this bullshit that people are trying to stand on is fact when they don't come from that at all. You you can't tell me that the about the Shoshone prayer song if you're not a Shoshone. If you're Arapaho, you can't tell me about the Shoshone prayer song. Sorry. If you're full-blooded fucking anything other than Shoshone, you can't tell me as a Shoshone anything about my Shoshone Sundance. You can't. Right. Because you don't have any, like, actual knowledge. You could have been a crow, come and dance in my Shoshone Sundance at Fort Washke, the one that I participate in mostly, and think that you're still going to tell me more about it because my family is the one that started that. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just, that's, that's my viewpoint on scientists like him, archaeologists like him, you know, and he, the shit that he bashes he's not other even people a, about, he he's not even a thing. scientist, he's a journalist. Well, and you know what I mean? And like, uh, uh, Annie Jacobson, we both love her. She's a journalist. I very much admire her work, but she's telling an unbi- unbiased viewpoint. She's not trying to drive uh, an agenda mm-hmm. through her message. Right. Like, I like a lot of, like, Graham Hancock, I like that he is somehow finding these resources to go explore all these ancient places, but um, I wish he would uh, not come at it with the so matter-of-fact, well, this he, is what it is attitude. The one I listened to today, um, he was talking about when uh, the BBC uh, brought him on. And it wasn't really an interview. They were um, just trying to discredit him. Mm, they were trying and, to bring him on and make him look stupid. Uh huh. And he said that was fine because, like, his ego at the time needed to be taken down a few pegs. But so this is why i don't fully fully agree with what you're like your assessment of him because i i mean maybe at that point when he wrote the fingerprints of the gods maybe at that point he was um going a little harder uh with like you say his agenda or you know what the what he's trying to push um but i think as he's gotten older and shit he has done less of that well i hope so because christopher columbus died thinking he found the indies yeah so you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so hopefully he has changed you know what i mean you never you never know i like to think that i mean i know for a fact because i could state the steps in my life where i have evolved and changed my thinking patterns but uh you know, I if like, you're not doing that, then you're doing it wrong. Right. And, and <laughs> my most of my studies, my personal studies on things that I'm interested in revolve around theology, human evolution, human migration patterns, and languages. Um, if anybody wants to know about human history, human patterns, and psychology, all you need to study is those things because you know where everything comes from, and it's easier to... To, to process you know what I mean like if if a lot of anger comes from fr- frustration and frustration comes from not knowing and so you get mad when you don't know shit you know what I mean people 
their frustration comes out in different ways. Some people are violent. Some people yell. Some people just, you know, get a fucking red face. Some people internalize it and it comes out later. But knowledge is power because the more you know, the less frustrated and negative you are, you know, and you have to have an open mind to do that. Right. So we are getting to about hour and 45 I think I touched on all the important stuff I wanted to get to. Yeah, and if you want to do it again, I mean, to cover more, we can definitely do it again. I just wanted to, uh, before we hop off here, anybody who made it this far and you're still interested in in learning about Native culture, some good books that you could read. I wanted to give them some plugs real quick. I said, uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee is always a really good jump-off point. There's another one called... uh, in the spirit of crazy horse, it's the story of Leonard Peltier, who's in Fed prison right now for allegedly killing an FBI agent that somebody else admitted to later. Yet the feds won't let him out, even though somebody else copped to it. Um, another one is uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. It's about the Comanche. Um, awesome book. Awesome book. It goes up for from the Comanche leaving the Shoshones up to Quana Parker, who was the last Comanche chief, whose mom was actually a white woman. And uh, let me see. Sitting Bull has a biography. Geronimo has a biography. Um, And then the last one of the book that just came out, uh, Killer of the Flower Moon. So anybody who's interested, that's a few books. Uh, You know, I got got tons more, uh, lots of documentaries. Um, There's a documentary. It's actually about the Rapaho from my reservation, from the Wind River Res, that's called What Was Ours? And I, Here's, uh, it's, do, it's streaming. I don't remember what streaming service it's on, but it's streaming. Do me a favor, send me a list of some of these books. Um, I'm gonna put them in the description of the episode. Um, and anything else you want, uh, people to check out. Yeah, and, and we'll, also and we'll there's put it into uh, the into the description of the episode. So if you want to check out any of this shit. Just uh, look into, like I said, into the description, and then uh, and you can kind of do your own research on this kind of stuff. And like I said, we could all we can do this again too. I I love it, bro. Anything history, and and not only you don't even have to just be native history because not as knowledgeable as I am about native history, book wise, I'm nearly as knowledgeable of european history bro I, my daughter's white and so i didn't want to c- teach her about only my heritage and so i felt like i had to get schooled up she's uh british and so i wanted to get schooled up on british history which led me to basically learning all the european history i'm actually been in for the last like three weeks learning about uh spain from the cave, ice age and cavemen to now so nice well, tell uh, everybody where they can find you. You got your podcast on YouTube. Yes, sir. My uh, podcast is called Osh Knows on YouTube. O-S-H Knows. Uh, my music page, if you didn't know, I do music. Osh from the Ghost. That's O-S-H from the Ghost on YouTube. Um, I also have my Instagram uh, photography videography page, photos by Osh. And uh, all those things on YouTube. Hell yeah. Photos by Osh, Osh from the Ghost, and Osh Knows. You mind if we send it out on one of your tracks? Uh, yeah, go for it. All right, Bill. Uh, you got anything left? 
I just randomly uh, recommend Sherman Alexi's Lone Ranger and Tonto Fist Fight in Heaven. Not really history, but uh, this good is book. a it's a oh it's a book. Oh yep. yeah, and uh, shout out to Jim Thorpe. If anybody don't know who that is, it's argue arguably the greatest athlete of all time, and he was native. So look him up if you don't know. Hell yeah. Um, go to thecomiczone.com. That's where we got every single episode of the podcast. You can get it the podcast wherever you get. It's a thing, yo. Yeah, it's a thing, yo. Hold up. Every day, ride my way in my lane, bro. But you can get the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, uh, Audible, Google Play, and iTunes, right, Bill? <laughs> All right. As you know, this has been the Comic Zone. Peace out.